0: Hi, Welcome to Careers in Automotive. I'm your host, Eddie Maunder. This podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Recruitment Solutions. They specialise in recruiting into the automotive, aerospace and defence sectors for both contract and permanent roles across the UK and Europe. For more information, check out their website, www.rtrs.co.uk. And now, let's crack on with the podcast. Hi, welcome to Careers in Automotive with myself, Eddie Maunder. Today I'm joined by Lisset Arutia, who is currently Head of Research and Development at Asphalt Energy Technology Europe. Thank you for joining me today, Lisset. No,
1: thank you for being by, Eddie.
0: Fantastic. So where I always like to start is right at the very beginning. So I know that um, with yourself, you've not always been in the automotive industry, but um, more on the engineering side of things then. Um, and science was it all how did you end up getting into to the industry within engineering is it something that you always wanted to do uh, and science or or, or h- how did it come about
1: well basically it, i think it was a happy coincidence i never thought about it um basically when i i did my master's degree it was like a materials for energy storage and conversion which is like battery science that could be applied for different fields you know not, not only electric vehicles but all sorts of things. Um, so nowadays I'm working on the, um, automotive industry, but again, I think it's a happy coincidence. Mm-hmm.
0: So w- when you, um, you originally went to university, you went to and you studied chemical engineering initially. Uh, why did you decide to study this?
1: Well, uh, you know, when I was in, in high school, I was passionate with all things chemistry and the transformation of products like starting from a raw material in that converting that into something completely different uh from what you started with was uh, for me was like really a passion you know it was fascinating um it was for me some sort of alchemist kind of thing so yeah i think that's what the reason why I, i i went through that path like being a chemical engineer
0: brilliant and how did you find university the first time you went did you enjoy it
1: Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I think uh, one of the best experiences of my life was going to that specific university to that specific career, is one of the best um, decisions of my life. Yeah, loved it.
0: Brilliant. Okay. And then you, your first role out of university uh, was in the healthcare industry for a company called Back to mm-hmm. Healthcare. So, could you just talk us through what you were doing there and what, what your position was and how that came about?
1: Well, basically, when um, you finish or when you're about to finish your um, career as chemical engineer, I'm, I'm originally from Colombia and the education in Colombia is, is quite different, let's say, from the system that is applied in the UK, for instance, or other European country, c- countries like France and, and Germany and so on. Um, so to become a chemical engineer, you have to study five years. And after those five years, I didn't want myself like to continue the academic path. I wanted to, to go and experience how the industry worked. And, and that's why I, I picked my internship in the industry. Uh, so Baxter was my, my internship before okay. finishing my, my chemical engineering studies. Um, I was part of the quality insurance system, and we were following up like different issues in like quality to ensure the quality compliance. So to be more specific, um, and for those of you who don't know, Baxter is specialized in equipment and materials for dialysis. So mm-hmm. it's very. I mean, as it is products for human consumption and for human uh, human healthcare, um, it is very important to ensure the, that the quality of those products is the, the best possible. You know, so at, at that point um we were working like on on ensuring the 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 quality after the um yeah of, of these products that were in the end being used for for dialysis equipments and and so on and so forth
0: brilliant and so so that was essentially part of your degree then essentially like the an internship or part was it was it part of the your studies that role then
1: yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a choice. You could either do it or not do it. I wanted to do it because I wanted to have this touch of the industry and, and the real uh, working life,
0: let's say. Brilliant. Okay. And then, um, and then after you left Baxter, you went to uh, is it Smurfit Kappa? Is that correct?
1: Yep, it is yep. correct. Um, so Smurfit Kappa is uh, one of the biggest paper making industry in the world. They have facilities in Ireland, in the UK, Spain, France, uh, well, you name it. And of course, they also have facilities in, in South America and in Colombia is the headquarters uh, for, for South America, I think, um, or it was at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started there as a trainee engineer uh, working on the implementation of the ISO fourteen thousand and one system, mm-hmm. so all things environment. Uh, I love it because it's, well. What I like about these systems is they are they are very holistic. You know, they are not only focusing okay waste and residues and, and stuff like that, but they talk. They take the whole system um, and even the human beings as part of of the ecosystem and the environment, and and they assure that although of course you have to use chemicals and so on and so forth. They, human being is also being protected and, and the environment is being affected the less in, in the less ways possible.
0: Let's say. okay and you, you spent quite a few years there didn't you about four years in total um, yeah. was that in was that over in Colombia as well and were you still based over there at that point?
1: yeah yep yeah. i was i was based in colombia all the time so first i started as a as a trainee engineer but then i moved into process engineer working more on the on the preparation of the pulp that is necessary to afterwards produce paper, um, which for me was magical because it was like my very first encounter with with the process and with what actually uh, or chemical engineering actually is. You know, because although at least in Colombia, chemical engineering is a very versatile career. Like you can go through different paths. I was craving this part of the process and this part of the alchemist mm-hmm. that I I fell uh, in love with it in the beginning when I decided to start uh, to study chemical engineering. So um, it was very interesting. But then afterwards, I also moved more into, into the process like of producing the paper itself. So I had three different roles uh, back in, in the SmartFit, and I had the opportunity to learn a lot. I, I also loved uh, my time there. But then By the end of it, like when when I reached my fourth year there, I was like in this kind of very confident place. Um, And I I, I said, I was wondering like, okay, is this it? You know, like um, I'm happy here, I like it here, but I I can see my life being exactly like this uh, during I don't know how many years uh, to come. And that's why I decided to start looking for scholarships to study again.
0: Brilliant, and yeah. So it was um, when when you moved on from there in two thousand and twelve, you went to study your masters. So wh- where did you uh, where did you do your master's degree?
1: So as I said before, it was a, it's a scholarship. So it's a, it's an Erasmus Mundus scholarship. Yeah. Um. So it's very particular masters because you have to study each semester in a different country. Something that oh, I brilliant. loved. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> so the first one was in France. The second was in Poland the third in Spain and then the fourth depending on where you want to do your internship and on on what you want to do your internship you can pick the place where you want to go so yeah it was like a multicultural multi-country master's and I I was very happy to have chosen that
0: so what was it or was your plan then to to move away from Colombia at some point or or was it just a case of this opportunity presented itself with the scholarship
1: No, I wanted it. I mean, I I wanted to live abroad. I wanted to my my plan always was uh, at the time, of course, uh, going back to Colombia after doing my master's. I thought these kind of things are enlightening for for us because one, we can compare how is living abroad like uh, and learning about different cultures and how different people interact with each other. I mean, Colombia is not as multicultural as Europe, let's say. Mm-hmm. For instance, in France, you can find people from all over the world, whereas in Colombia, it's not the case, really. Um, also, the opportunity of learning different languages, uh, something that I'm pas- passionate about. Um, and, and learning, you know, in general, I think is a lot of, uh, advantages so yeah it was it was intended i wanted to to leave <laughs> yeah.
0: and what what's uh just out of interest it's a little bit off topic here but what what is it like um for chemical engineers and and the job market over in Colombia? is is there many opportunities over there because myself i only obviously deal with the, the uk and european markets what what are the opportunities work wise like in Colombia?
1: I think for, for, for chemical engineers, mm-hmm. um, I think it's very good, you know, um, I think because we are, or at least when, when I finished my, my undergrad, it, we weren't too many. Uh, and, and I think I, I, I didn't struggle. I, I feel myself very, very fortunate about that because I, I found my job quite easily and a job that I loved and, and I cherished. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, The scholarship that you did then, could you just talk talk us through what what you were actually, uh, what you were studying and what you were doing it on?
1: So the master's is called Energy, Materials for Energy Storage and Conversion. Uh, And it's very focused on electrochemistry. It's very focused on on developing chemistry, let's say electrochemistry for storage that electricity, and that could be either in a supercap, or a battery, or so on and so forth. Um, it was very interesting because for me it was a different world from what the process was and from what chemical engineering was, and this is very like a specific and very niche, let's say.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a really interesting thing to study. What made you want to like how did you discover that and what made you want to to study that?
1: So when I applied for for the scholarship, uh, my main criteria to, to applying to, to a, cer- a certain master uh, was two things. Uh, were two things. Uh, the first one was that was something related to the environment. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to to go deeper into into that into that path. Um, so something that could help in the end. To, to improve our, our environment and then the second one and for me because at the time I was studying French was the possibility of practicing the French that I was learning so yeah. I applied at that point for these masters that I picked and the second one was uh, in Belgium. so yeah in the end I, I picked this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Brilliant and, and when you um when you completed it in uh in 2014 I think Looking at it, you joined a company called CIC, which it looks like was part, was that part of your, um, part of your, your studies?
1: Yeah, exactly. So as I was saying before, the fourth semester, you can pick uh, wherever you want to go uh, yeah. or, or what you want to do your master's. And I picked CIC Energy Gune because they were the only one at the time offering uh, something that I wanted to study uh, more in depth, which was the lithium sulfur battery. Um, so that's why I picked um, CAC Energy Group.
0: Brilliant. And what was it like working there? Was it, That was in Spain, I believe, was it?
1: Yeah, there was a country in Spain, so the north part of Spain. I absolutely loved it. I think um, it was a very good experience, not only because I had the opportunity to, to, to go back to, to the work and to the actual practice and be more hands-on myself, Uh, But also, I had the opportunity to work with one of the greatest minds in electrochemistry of our times, uh, which is uh, Professor uh, Michel Armand. Uh, He's, uh, yeah, as I said before, one of the greatest minds in electrochemistry and and working with him and seeing how brilliant he is, not only on the electrochemical part, but also the excellent human being that he is, you know, which nowadays I see is more difficult to find in in people at, at such a... High place in their career life, um, it was a great opportunity, I I loved it, yeah.
0: Brilliant, and so after after uh, after this you then joined Oxys Energy uh, as a research scientist and project manager working on the Eclipse H2020 project, which I believe is looking at uh, lithium sulfur power for space, is that correct?
1: Yes, it's absolutely correct, um, So I moved into oxys and again I was working uh, on lithium sulfur and specifically on the positive electrode which uh, we call the cathode. Uh, So I was working on sulfur cathodes. I started working there as a research scientist developing um, sulfur cathodes for enhanced energy densities and, and cycle lives uh, but then um, when Eclipse, uh, which is one of the or, or which is a project on the, in the framework of Horizon 2020, uh, came, I, I moved slowly into also the project management of, of things. So although I started as a research engineer, like working in, purely in the lab, I moved more into, into the administrative stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well we, we can see that you could can, can do both um so i started uh doing more project management related at first yeah
0: brilliant so so how did you actually secure that position and and where was this where was this role based
1: um so well i think the reason why i was like okay i was already working on lithium sulfur during my uh, master's degree Mm -hmm. um and then well it was they were looking for people already knowing uh lithium about lithium sulfur which is or nowadays is, is more normal, but at that time, not many people were working on, on this kind of electrochemistry. Um, so I think that was one main of the reasons. Uh, one of the reasons. And then, um, if uh, Oxys is based in Oxfordshire in England, mm-hmm. um, I lived there for, for years, and I, I really liked the experience as well.
0: Okay, and can you um can you talk us through then the. Uh, I don't know how much detail you can go into, but could you talk us through the uh, the Eclipse project and, and what you guys were actually doing?
1: Okay, so basically we were uh, developing cells for satellites and for other systems of, of telecommunications. It was a, this is a consortium or was a consortium uh, together with Airbus, uh, Saft, which is one of the mm-hmm. uh, leaders on on batteries in in France. Uh, Solvay, which is very big on, on chemistry in Belgium. CAC, which is uh, a large uh, French institute for research. Uh, from Hofer Institute in Germany. Um, it was a very exciting project because in the end we were able to demonstrate a feasible operating uh, battery with a BM, BMS system uh, for uh, satellite applications. That although it couldn't uh, reach um, the expected uh, cycle life it reached the energy density that was uh, attained so it was a very interesting project and the possibility to work with all these kind of um, companies you know and, and it was a very good experience
0: and so how, how did it work then Were were you like working with all of these different companies As you as project manager, were you essentially dipping in and out of each company or how did the project come together with so many different stakeholders within it?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think the fact that these companies are really knowing what every company knows what they are doing. Right. So my, my job as a project manager in that in that particular project was very, let's say, kind of easy. Uh, because you were just saying, okay, we need to do ABC, and then everyone was delivering on time and uh, to a very good standard. Um, so my job was compiling everything and then putting everything together and just and and just giving it to 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 the European Commission. And I think it, the project I consider myself it, uh, it was a success in the end.
0: Brilliant. And, and were you involved in any other projects, or or did that take up the uh, the, the full period that you were there? No.
1: Uh, afterwards, um, I was also like involved in other projects, uh, like trying to scale up the lithium metal anode uh, cutting and, and processing. Because um, well, for those familiar with lithium metal anode, it's very sticky. And, and cutting uh, lithium metal anode piece by piece uh, by hand is OK. It's doable. But then if, if you want to scale up the process, then it becomes a challenge. So that was a very interesting project. Uh, then uh, it was also another. There was also another project, like working on increasing the energy density and the cycle life of the cells through uh, playing with the salt content within the electrolyte. So that was also very interesting. And, mm. and yeah, there are lots of projects, and I, I think Oxys is a great uh, company, and I learned a lot working there.
0: Yeah, it sounds sounds really interesting. It sounds like a, a great period for you. And so uh, after almost four years at Oxys Energy, uh, you then joined your current company, uh, s mm-hmm. in August 2018. So you joined them as a principal engineer, and I believe that you were based over in China. Uh, so it sounds like, you know, you obviously enjoy traveling around the world <laughs> and experiencing different cultures. What was it like uh, moving over to China after spending uh, a good portion of time over in Europe?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. I, I love traveling. Uh, and I think even more so after having done my master's, I got this um, because it was like in different countries, I, I got this, uh, I got used to move uh, quite, quite often. So so I, I really enjoyed it and I really like it. China, you know, it, it was funny. I never imagined living in China. Mm-hmm. But I, I can tell you that when I was in high school uh, and I learned about Chinese culture and Chinese civilization, I was fascinated. And one of my goals in my lifetime was, OK, I need to one day to to walk and see the, the Great Wall. Uh, but again, uh, no, not to the extent of going to live to live there. Uh, it was... I think one of the best experiences of my life, I, again, I don't know, I I consider myself lucky to have lived and experienced so many, so many cultural changes and coming in so many places, you know, it, it was great.
0: Brilliant. And um, and so the um, the roles that you'd previously held were, were all outside of the automotive industry. What made you decide to come into the automotive industry? Was it the industry itself or was it just the opportunity with asphalt?
1: Well, I think... I, I didn't think that okay now I'm moving into the automotive industry I, I thought more like okay this is electrochemistry again you mm-hmm. know uh, di- a different type of chemistry because it's not lithium sulfur anymore uh but but, but for me it was more like okay it's uh, electrochemistry but it's a different challenge in, in a different country which I would love to live in so yeah I think that was the main decision or it yeah. wasn't much of a struggle.
0: Brilliant, and um, and and how how is it compared working within the automotive industry to other industries? Is there much difference for you, or essentially because you know it's um it's all centralized around like energy storage and things like that? Is, is it fairly similar what you're doing at the moment?
1: Well, of course, if we if we speak from the energy storage point of view, it's quite similar because okay, you are going to the lab and developing new things and and trying to improve the characteristics of your cell. But then if you think about the fact that these cells are going to be placed in a car that are going to be driven by by humans, um, then I think there is a lot of responsibility involved in it. And and the quality that we have to ensure for these kind of cells is kind of similar to, to the pharmaceutical industry, for instance. Um, we don't have, we need to not take it lightly, you know, because there is a lot of responsibility and even a lot of risk if we don't do our, our jobs properly. So the quality standards have to be very, very high. Mm-hmm.
0: Brilliant. And, and so you, you joined there as a principal engineer, what were your responsibilities within that role?
1: So I was working mainly on the development of, uh, silicon anodes for enhancing energy density. And also, um, well, in, increasing safety because these were more, this was more like a semi-solid type of cell. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was mainly going to the lab and, and developing new things.
0: Brilliant. So we, did you have specific projects or was it consistent consistent development work?
1: It was a consistent development work, like a specific targets and every time like moving uh, further on, the targets, on those Brilliant. targets.
0: Okay, and so you in, in, within that role, you you were there for uh, just under two years, and then you uh, you relocated again um, <laughs> yeah. to uh, to Germany this time, I believe, over to um, to Frankfurt. Uh, in was it June this year that you you moved over here? Yeah, uh, moved exactly. To, uh, moved to Germany, brilliant. And, and that role was head of research and development uh, in Europe for Asphalt. So first of all, how how did that role come about, and um, what what made you want to uh, to relocate again?
1: Well, the company made the proposition, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they told me, OK, would you, like, would you like this new change? Would you like to live in Germany now? Because uh, it's, bold, it's got such an ambitious plan for, for Europe. And, and now we are in the construction of our 24 gigawatt hour uh, factor, giga, factory, you know, so it's like very exciting project. I, I And I didn't think it twice, you know, I think it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. And, and I never lived in Germany before. I, I had visited a couple of times, but uh, never lived here. So, again, the opportunity to live in another country working for the same company um, and such a great responsibility for me, it was very exciting.
0: Yeah. So you, you mentioned very briefly there, but um, could you just give us an overview of exactly what Esfalt are doing in Europe at the moment?
1: Yeah. So, as I was said before, as I said before, uh, we already have Giga factory, a and factory in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we are under the construction of our twenty-four gigawatt-hour uh, factory here in in Germany, in Saarland, to be more precise. Mm-hmm. So, we intend to deliver all of kind of solutions from cell to modules to packs uh, for the automotive industry specifically. So, as you can imagine, well, uh, Europe is a very good hub uh for for automotive so that's why they have these ambitious plans here
0: and do you do you guys have um like are you able to talk about what what uh sort of oems you will be supplying into or or is that not uh not sorted as of yet
1: yeah well i think it's confidential at the moment but let's say that um we have a child a lot of uh, interest from different automotive industries in in the continent. So th- it is very exciting to see. And now, well, uh, I don't know if you have heard, but we have or we are on the we are the first ones in the market to to deliver cobalt-free cells, which I think is 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 quite exciting. And they are outperforming in many cases standard cells, so standard chemistries, let's say. Nice. So has got a lot of attention nowadays and, and I'm proud and excited to be part of it.
0: Fantastic. And um, so your role there is uh, head of research and development. What, do, what are your responsibilities within that position?
1: Well, uh, I'm working on different things. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, as you can imagine, the fact that the, fact that the company is quite new in Europe uh, yep. means that we don't have facilities here for R&D. So the establishment of those facilities is part of, of my responsibilities. Then I'm also working on establishing an European supply chain, at least at cell level. Mm -hmm. Uh, So working with different European customers because we want to to have a local for local product. Um, Here in Europe, there are a lot of uh, very interesting companies and uh, with very good products for for cell manufacturing and for cell chemistries. And liaising with them uh, is giving me a good opportunity to to have a good overview of of how how things are evolving here in Europe in the the field of chemistry for the cells. Um, Then I'm also working on sustainability issues, like making sure that uh, or. Re- visiting the regulations, uh, seeing that uh, the things that we're doing are at least at the level compliant to, to all the uh, different environmental topics and, and standards that um, are regulating Europe. Um, and of course, uh, seeing different projects here in Europe that could help us to move forward to, our, to reaching our targets in the near future.
0: Brilliant. And, and so what are you excited uh, excited about then for the future with Esfalt? It sounds like there's a lot going on. Um, what's the, uh, the 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 biggest challenge and the most exciting thing to look forward to in, in your role over the next few years?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. I think this couldn't be more exciting for me because this is the first time that I work uh, in a company that is establishing the grounds. You know, like in, in my previous companies, they were all of them established and um, even in China, they, they were established. But here in Europe, we're starting from, from uh, well, not from zero because we have a good backbone uh, in China. But yeah. we are developing a lot of things here on, on ourselves. And we are all learning a lot. Or at least myself, I'm learning a lot in the process because I never seen how to establish a, a company before. Um, so of course, there are a lot of challenges uh, because learning uh, comes uh, with, with challenges, of course. Uh, but for me, it's, it's it's an adventure, you know. I'm I'm very happy and proud and excited, as I said before, to to be part of this.
0: Brilliant, and uh, you know, there's a couple of things that pop into my head here um, from our conversation so far. So, like the Eclipse project, and probably what you're doing right now. But what would you say the biggest challenge of your career has been so far?
1: Well, the biggest challenge of my career, I don't know. I don't think I have had a. Um, like a career-related challenge, let's say. But for me, one of the most challenging things coming from Colombia and from the tropics was to get used to the cold weather. And it sounds <laughs> very silly, but it is, it is true, it is true. I struggle, especially in England, with the humidity yeah. <laughs> and so on, it was really tough. But I'm proud to say that this is the first winter uh, here in Germany, I'm having a blast. And oh, I'm proud to have overcome that that part, you know, and <laughs> that <I> struggle.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm uh, I can definitely relate to the I I, sh- I struggle with the cold weather in England and I was born here, so <laughs> got yeah. that magic so, coming from Columbia. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then um in terms of um so I've asked you about your biggest challenge. What's what would you say the thing that you're most proud of then um from your career to date so far?
1: I, I think it has been like a, I don't know, I think the possibility of having lived in, in, in so many countries and learning from so many cultures, I I feel very proud of it, let's say.
0: How many languages do you speak then? Uh,
1: three, I'm, I'm trying to learn German, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's also a challenge, let's say that is, uh, yeah, that is another challenge. <laughs>
0: what, what, what uh, over in China, what was it like over there? Were you, were you, did they all speak uh, English or French or, or, or something like that over there, or, or how did you deal with the, the language barrier in China?
1: Well, uh, for work-related topics, we mm-hmm. were very—I uh, mean, I was very blessed to have a translator all the time with me. Uh, oh, brilliant. Who was Brilliant, yeah, that was great. Um, and it was great because, well, of course, she, she, she she's Chinese and the possibility to interact so much uh, with some someone local, you know, uh, mainly understand more about the culture and so on. We became very good friends, she, she's lovely. Um, and then for all day-to-day, uh, day-to-day kind of things, applications and translators are the best, <laughs> best friends ever. <laughs> so yeah, th- those were making my life much easier there.
0: Brilliant, and and you've worked in a number of different countries, and so you know we've mentioned there like the UK, Spain, China, Colombia, Germany. Now, do you do you find it difficult to adjust? Do you have to change the way you work and find it difficult to adjust to to new new countries, or or is it something that uh, you find to, quite easy to do?
1: Well. Um... I don't see much difference in in the way that we work in in Colombia versus the way that we, I mean, uh, countries like the UK or or even Germany work. Um, I think it's the West and and is is kind of is very similar, let's say. So from that standpoint, I didn't have much problem. Um, then in, in China, of course, is is a completely different country with different, completely different uh, culture. Uh, but I think what we have to do is see how locals behave and how locals do and learn from them and and that's the best way to adapt, you know mm-hmm.
0: And was it uh, coming from Colombia over to the uk uh, over to the UK and over to europe? was it was it difficult to be able to get like visas and things like that, or how did you find all of that process?
1: Yeah, well, so of course, I needed a visa to come to do my studies. I needed a visa to go and work in the UK. I needed a visa to go uh, work in China. Um, But the thing is, like, when you have the support from universities, companies, and so on, that makes your life much easier than just going as an individual Uh, without a a proper offer or a proper job, uh, because that will be more complicated, of course. So having the support from the companies and the universities makes life easier.
0: Okay, brilliant. And and one thing I wanted to touch on briefly was, um, obviously, as a woman within engineering, there's a lot more women within the engineering sector today than there was 10, 15, 20 Mm -hmm. years ago, but there's still, it's very much uh, a male-dominated sector. What do you think can be done to encourage more women to become involved within engineering?
1: I think everything starts from uh, the ground, basic university or education. Sorry, that we receive. Um, so, if, for instance, our parents at home uh, try not to make the differentiation whether you are a boy of a girl, and just mm-hmm. try to like awake that interest for science and for 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 assembling new things and and learning new things. You know, I think that will. Um, like reduce the gap between the numbers I think in my perspective that will be but then it is important to, to bear in mind that well uh the most important thing is that we all try to make the things that we're passionate about you know mm-hmm. so yeah regardless of our gender
0: and and have you found that uh, as a woman within engineering is it been um have you had any sort of any negatives uh, you found? Maybe dealing with um, different generations, who maybe older generations who are used to just working with male engineers. Has there been any any problems for you, or have you found it quite easy as a woman with an engineer and, and tr- always treated the same?
1: Well, let's say that in Europe, uh, that is a good advantage, and uh, there is a lot of difference. I didn't feel much of uh, difference in treatment being mm-hmm. being a girl or a woman, or, or... no, I I didn't feel any um let's say discrimination on that sense. Uh, but then in Colombia it was tricky because as, as you said, uh, the, the, I was like very young, uh female engineer coming to work with people that were like, I don't know, 30 years of that had 30 years of plus experience mm-hmm. uh, in the field. Um, even though, well, they didn't have an engineer degree, uh, they have way more experience than myself and knew more about the machines and, and than than I did. Um, so earning that respect uh, was was a task that I undertook, and I and I, I feel like I I, I succeed on that. You know, I feel that in the end we were having a good cooperation. And although I didn't have as much experience as them, I was able to to teach them more about my engineering basis and trying to do things differently and, in
0: and, and improving the processes so yeah it was good brilliant okay and then looking at the uh, the automotive industry now um you're in a in a very good position with the uh, the company that you're working at to to comment on this sort of stuff but uh, when looking at things such as the infrastructure needed for charging stations battery range seems to be a hot topic recharge time costs mm-hmm. these are all reasons that people generally tend to oppose electric cars at the moment in the general public What do you think the biggest challenge is globally as we move forward to uh, an electric revolution? What do you think the biggest challenge is with changing the perception of the general public and how can we look to overcome it?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest challenges globally is is to be aware um, that these kind of challenges are are coming, right? Like not having charging infrastructure, for instance, or, or stuff like that. I think, well, United States have done a very good job on this and I think they are the most advanced uh together with countries like Norway and and, and the Nordic countries in Europe uh but I think and what I from what I've seen uh, nowadays in in Europe is that they are coming I mean the, the fact that they are aware makes them come like more in advance and, and and trying to establish projects to to overcome these kind of things and so on and so forth um now if we speak about uh, things like the cell and range and anxiety, anxiety and stuff like that. Well, nowadays, I think we are able to deliver like 600, 800 kilometers of autonomy, which I think is quite good. It's not negligible. Mm-hmm. From the charging standpoint, uh, I think the aim is at least having 50 minutes of, of fast charge, and which I think it can be is, is totally doable. Um, and from the cost perspective, um, well, I think all companies are striving to get values and and costs as low as the petrol um, cars. And and I think that gap is going to be also reduced in in the near future. So I think the fact that we are all becoming aware of these challenges and all these needs is making us working more towards those goals.
0: Brilliant. And when looking at the, the skills needed within the sector, Obviously, these large battery plants, gigafactories, the, the sort of stuff that you're involved in, it's, it's, a, it's essentially a new sector within, within the automotive sector. Um, do you think, do you anticipate that there will be skill shortages and difficulties in terms of getting enough skilled people into these roles to, to function um, at the capacity needed?
1: i think so <laughs> i think that is going to be the case especially because for for instance in europe there are many companies that are establishing gigafactories uh, at this moment and we are seeing that there is a lack of, of hands and talents uh, especially for electrochemistry because it's it's quite new you know um but again i think universities and and the government is is getting aware of this lack and they are trying to support
0: uh, more projects uh, towards this. Okay. And so when, when we're uh, based on the landscape and you know what you've just mentioned there, um, if there was anybody out there that's looking to have a career within engineering or maybe doing the early part of uh, their career uh, within the automotive industry, what what area would you recommend them to focus on and become skilled in that would ensure that they are highly employable for the future?
1: Well, of course, and I'm a bit biased on this, I would say electrochemistry. (laughs) And especially because, as I said before, we we know that there is a lack of hands on on electrochemistry. Uh, But everything that is cell related, you know, cell design. um, mechanical engineers for for cells and for M- BMSs or so engineers and, and and so on and so forth. I think all things related to the cell chemistry and to the cell development are going to be highly needed.
0: Okay. And then just for my final question, if you were uh, if you could give one piece of advice to uh, every automotive professional uh, who's at the the early stage of their careers, they're looking to to you know really following the footsteps of someone like yourself who's been very successful in a short period of time what piece of advice would you give them uh, and why
1: well I would say that uh, for a of uh, all of the people that are working on the automotive is uh, be compassionate for what you're doing you know I, I feel myself very lucky to to work in something that really passionates me and I think when you are passionate about what you're doing the results show up at themselves you know and, and it's easier um to to accomplish your targets and, and your goals in that regard so i think that will be my my best advice
0: brilliant fantastic well thank you very much for joining me today uh Lisette. i've really enjoyed it
1: yeah no like my said, thank you so much for having me and and yeah looking forward to having a discussion
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Careers in Automotive. If you've enjoyed this episode or enjoy the series, please could I ask you to leave a review of the podcast and also like and share it with anybody that may be interested. This will just help me read the widest audience possible. Thank you very much.